Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. Today we're going to finish our prayer series. Uh, we can take these down, so while I'm talking, the team can take this stuff. We've got a panel this, this morning because we thought it would be a great way to end the prayer series by just talking to some of our family members here at Avant Life about what prayer looks like to them and what it looks like in their daily life, some testimonies. We know testimonies are powerful, and so we're going to hear some testimonies this morning. But I'm just going to share a story. I remember when I was like, I think it was 2004, it was the Athens Olympics. Um, I would have been, I was 13 in 2000, so I would have been 17. Uh, I think that's, that's right. Uh, and I remember watching, I grew up on a, in a missionary family, so prayer was very uh, accessible in my life. It was something that was role modeled to me. It was something that we did on a daily basis. Uh, but I haven't, or I hadn't yet had that revelation of just the power of prayer on a very like immediate level. And I remember I'm watching uh, the Olympics and uh, I'm watching the, um, it's like a, the 200 meter sprint. And I was going for the Jamaican runner and because Australians just don't run fast. It's just a thing. <laughs> you're not, not going to find us running in the 200 meter sprint. Anyway, at least trying to win that. Um, and I'm watching this, I'm going for the Jamaican guy because their colours are green and gold, just like Australia's, it's the closest thing. Um, and, but the, the sprinter from the United States, he's, he's running first. And this is early on in the race, and things are sort of evening up, and I simply prayed this prayer, right? <laughs> I was like, God, just make him trip. It's a bad prayer, right? I know. I was 17, right? I was just... It's almost like a, a non-thought, a, non- a nonsensical prayer. Like, God, just make him... Tr- I kid you not, the guy fell over. And I'm like, oh. Now, you thought, you'd think I'd be like, you beauty! But in that moment, one, I don't think God answered my prayer. I just think he was always going to fall over. Right? But I think God had a moment with me in that, that prayer I had. And, and I, I was sitting there. I wasn't pumped because instantly as I prayed that and that happened, do you know what came through my head? Hey, how many hours did that guy train? What did he put into it? What did you do, Ben? And I'm sitting there, I'm confronted because, like I said, I don't think my prayer caused him to fall over. But in that moment, God began to tell me, hey, there's power in your words. There's an immediate effect in the utterance from your mouth. You might not see it now, but there is. What you speak, what you say, what you pray carries authority. And we see in James, it says, you know, that we have the power of life and death in our tongue. A small rudder steers a big ship. And as Christians, we've got to be intentional, not reactive, intentional, proactive in our prayer life, knowing that as we pray, as we live this life that is disciplined in prayer and in reading the scriptures, we're actually making an immediate effect now that the Bible says begins to bear fruit. For eternity. So as we, as we come around and talk to these leaders about what is prayer to them, can I encourage you? Like we've got to live a life of open minds, open hearts. Don't walk away from here and be like, oh, okay, prayer's a good thing and only pray when you're in stress. Though so it's a good response when you're stressed. But there's more application to prayer than just a response to stress. Don't be a prayer warrior, be a prayer warrior. You ever heard that before? Yeah? Oh, for a long time I just worried, so I prayed. But that's a reactive prayer. A warrior is someone who steps up and begins to pray before a problem. That you have the Spirit of God in you, guiding you. Like our prayer life should be guided by the Holy Spirit. 
you know, that spirit of discernment that begins to stir in us what we should be committing to prayer and petition before the, before the Lord. Before, you know, our prayer life shouldn't just be what's happening in our personal life. It's got to be bigger than that. There's a bigger application. The horizon's far greater than simply, God, I need this on my table tomorrow. Though That's applicable. He wants Christians to begin to step back and go, whoa, actually, I can shift the direction of my city with my prayer life. Hey, tell me what other person or what other believer outside of believers in Christ have the ability from their bedroom to shift and shape a nation? Ain't nobody. Yet Christians, and I say this for myself, we treat prayer very limitedly. And so today, and I hope for across this series, as we move into a season of growth, of expansion, uh, of seeing that overflowing, you know, anointing and favor of God from this location to another, that we would do that with the discipline of prayer, discipline of reading our word. Charles Spurgeon said, and I've quoted this before, he was once asked a question, what is more important, praying or reading the scriptures? And his response blew me away. He says, that's like asking me what's more important, breathing in or breathing out. What a response. Now we know why he's the Prince of Preachers, right? Obviously, the Holy Spirit has given him insight into things. But I look at that and go, you know what? That should be our daily application. Breathe in the scripture, breathe out our prayer. Breathe in the scripture, breathe out our prayers, right? Because now all of a sudden, when we look at the scriptures, when it says, hey, if you would abide in me and my word would abide in you when you pray, in my name, it'll come to pass. Hey, isn't that awesome? That, that, that breathe in the scripture, breathe out the utterance of petition in prayer. Now that's, that's the dialogue of authority. So this morning, as I invite our panelists to come up, we've got Julie Gildemeister coming up. We've got Pastor Dan Finmore coming up. And we've got the new iteration of Pastor Emma, short hair edition coming up. Uh, <laughs> so as they come up, would you just make them feel loved and welcome? Hi, babe. I don't know you. Hi, Julie. Oh. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> She's got short hair too. I do. <laughs> I'm fine with it. It's all good. Hands up for long hair on women. Hands up for short hair. Long hair? I'm not getting involved. It's, a, it's unsafe. Don't answer. It's unsafe. Don't answer. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> That's the reason for now. It's a trap. All over again. It is a trap. <laughs> Hey, I thought it'd be cool because we have, you know, the church is growing. We've got new people that maybe you guys would just take, you know, two or three minutes just to uh, introduce yourself, who you are, your family, what you do with your day-to-day. I'm first. Uh, my name's Dan. I am uh, part of the team, obviously, of Avant Life Church. I have a beautiful wife and a beautiful son at home, uh, Rachel and Judah. Judah is just turned one, and he is amazing. Um, my day-to-day is usually spent uh, actually at Barrio Coffee at, uh, just next door. So we run the, the cafe um, as a separate business from the church during the week. And we have the community come in. And so I'm a community engagement pastor. So I take the time to get to know the community. I see people come in every single day and get to have cool conversations with them. Um, but it is a great way for us to have our foot and, and just some kind of impact and influence throughout the week. Um, and what a more... What, like, what a more powerful way is there than through coffee? Because everyone wants coffee, right? So, yeah. 
And I'm Julie, and I have a very handsome husband, Gordon. He's sitting right here. <laughs> I've got three, three kids, um, a son uh, and two daughters. Two of them are married, and we're actually grandparents to a little boy. And uh, so it's very, very exciting. We've been at the church for a year now, just probably over a year, actually, a year and a half, maybe. And uh, very excited to be part of this church family and are amazed at what God is doing, doing here. And to be a part of it is wonderful. Awesome. Um, so we're going to be talking about, obviously, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about uh, different things in regards to prayer. So we talked about the, the call of being watchmen and watchwomen over this nation in prayer. We talked about uh, the principle of prayer, the pattern of prayer, and the power of prayer. So our first question, um, if you could share with the congregation, is is over the course of your, your relationship with Jesus, um, how has prayer become something that has been a habit, and how have you stewarded prayer within your everyday, going about your daily business type of life? We'll start with you, Mr. Finmore. Cool. Um, I've been a Christian now for 10 years, 11 years almost. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So prayer was something for me before that was I didn't really understand the concept. thought it was just like throwaway lines to a God who didn't care. Um, But as I grew in my faith and I grew in my journey, I began to discover that prayer is is, is one of the most important aspects of Christian faith. Um, You know, we, we get bombarded with these things things every day, challenges, struggles, um, joys, whatever it is, and it's like you take this little breath, and then you breathe in again, you breathe in again, and it's so funny that you mentioned Spurgeon's quote, but it's as if, if we never pray, it's like we get as- asphyxiated, and we never exhale the things that are actually grieving us, or, or, and so what often happens is either we, we live with the challenge, or we, we become prideful because like, hey, I did that. It's not glory to God. It's oh, glory to me now. So I found it to be this thing. It's a check and balance in my day. When something good happens, God, glory to you. When something not so good happens, all right, God, glory to you. you. You promise that you'll come through in this and that you work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. So um, in the cafe, sometimes it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not out there rubbing faith in people's faces, but I'm taking a moment to ask the Holy Spirit, what is this conversation? Is this a long, is this a, is this a, um, you know, a, a quick five minute interaction with someone or is there, is there something more here? Do I need to dig a little bit? Do I need to ask the Holy Spirit, hey, what kind of um, language and what kind of things do I need to bring up in this situation? So it, it's, it's, I need it. I live off it, but um, it gives me so much direction and I couldn't function healthily without it. For me, I was raised in a Christian home, so um, surrounded by prayer my whole life. Uh, I had very godly parents who taught me to pray and uh, lived that as an example, um, and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, I would say over the course of my life, uh, prayer has looked different depending on what stage of life you are. Um, When you have got uh, three young kids running around, uh, life can get very busy and distracted. Um, So I really... um, was so happy with that verse that talks about pray without ceasing because uh, throughout your day you can be living and and praying throughout um, all the situations that happen along Um, and also learning how to really dig in um, and pray was a huge thing for me 
because um, I can get distracted as well in my mind. I, thoughts come in. I think that's the way the enemy tries to pull me out of a good conversation with God. Um, so uh, learning that actually a physical stance of being on my knees or actually even being on my face before, before God was a huge help for me to stay um, engaged and um, do battle. Like it, when you're in prayer, it's a, it's a, it's a battle. You're, you're trying to get, stay on course. God's keeping you there, but there's distraction that can come in. So learning that was, was a huge thing for me, just um, to really learn how to, to dig in and um, engage. And when you do that, God absolutely is, is there for you. It's amazing. I've and seen lots a, of things those happen. moments, right, where it's like, it's that daily conversation, mm-hmm. but then there's sometimes you've got to go to war. Oh, yeah. Like, Absolutely. you've got to dig in. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The daily conversations are awesome, and I love that, that daily, that you're, you're always engaging with, with God and the Holy Spirit, but there are times where you really, you dig in and you're doing battle, and God comes through. Absolutely. Just to hone in on that, what I think a lot of people struggle with, and you mentioned this, um, Julie, is to remain, like, focused in what we're praying even in the moment of praying Mm -hmm. because I'm similar like I'll be praying for something and I'm not having a random thought I'm thinking about what I'm praying about Mm -hmm. and then now I'm thinking what I'm praying about but not praying and then I'm planning for what I'm thinking about (laughs) and like before long I'm not praying anymore I've stood up in the kitchen I'm taking notes and I've lost but it's not like I've been like distracted by anything but what I was praying um (laughs) And I look at, like, we see when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he tells his disciples to keep watch. Um, and he comes back and he finds them asleep and he says, hey, you need to keep watch because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And the Greek word for keep watch there is agripnio, which is, hey, beware of sleep, but be sleepless in your watch. And, and I think we think to ourselves sometimes, oh, I'm not going to fall asleep while praying. But, but what do you guys do to counter those, those distracting thoughts that actually have come from what you were praying for in the first place? Dan? Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. It usually happens when I'm driving and praying. Um, yeah, I, I think part of it is... It's the ability to catch yourself in those moments. Um, I find one way to pray, and this isn't the only way you should pray, but I find one of the ways that I pray that I find I get least distracted in is actually adoration to God. And so setting him aside as my focus. And so the goal is now no longer, what do I want? What do I need? And now I have to figure out what the answer is. And then my mind gets distracted. I'm like, oh, where are my keys? Where's my phone? Um, it, It becomes like, no, God, okay, in this moment, like we're setting some things aside and there's, there's moments at the altar where it's like a church on a Sunday prayer and then there's moments that extend further beyond the altar um, that where the courtyard around the temple begins to, um, you know, it can't contain the offering. And so I have these moments where I'll set aside like, all right, God, we're going to, let's do an hour, right? I'll switch off my phone. I'll put everything aside. I'll probably write like a list of things I want to pray for and begin to pray over those things. And so being directed and focused with, with a list, I, you know, some people list people. Even if you're not a list person, you should probably have a list. Um, and actually, the other thing I find really helpful is praying with others. Yeah. Um, people to keep you accountable and on track mm-hmm. in that moment. Whether You're not necessarily, like, calling someone out. Hey, like, get off your phone. Not that you should be... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you are having these intentional moments with, with friends, like, you know, yeah. Mm. Yep. Another thing, because um, I, I agree with that, being intentional and catching yourself. So catching, it's like reset. <laughs> get, get off that train of thought and get back to business. Um, there's that. And I also really find it helpful to pray out loud. Um, I think that um, the enemy can't read our thoughts. God can, but he can't. But, so when we are speaking out loud, we're doing battle in all realms. And it also helps keep um, me on track when I'm, when I'm speaking out loud. It actually makes such a big difference. Yeah. That's a great thought. We've, um, I'm a journaler, personally. Um, not that that's the only means of uh, praying that I do, but I write a lot of prayers down, looking back on them from when I was like 16. I'm like, wow, well, how is that a problem? Um, <laughs> embarrassing if someone found that. Um, don't go to my house and look for my diaries. Um, and so that's been something that's really anchored me. But there's been a lot of times where I've looked back on my journals and from different years, I'm repeating the same prayer. And it's been this thing of going, oh, have I not, did I not like deal with that? Like, did I not actually overcome that? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's going, how do you keep, um, it's like those going back moments where you're like, man, I, I thought I dealt with this already. I thought like that prayer sorted it all out. So how in your own lives have you found yourself in a, in a place where you're praying for something that you thought you dealt with um, and how do you then come to God with that and, and what's, your, um, what's your approach to God in those moments where you feel like you're, you're repeating yourself from two years ago? Um. One thing that I think is um, to bring Thanksgiving into to that situation. So um, it's amazing to be able to look back and see things that you've been praying for and perhaps been repeating. But if you turn that prayer instead of an, a request, if it's been answered and dealt with to one of Thanksgiving. So then you're also then overcoming that and um, giving the glory to God for what he's done in the past for you, for you which is also an excellent reminder for going forward. Yeah, I've just never had to pray a prayer twice. <laughs> um, really? No. <laughs> Not really. Um, that's a, it's a tough question because it begins to question your own faith in God, but it also begins to bring into question your own humanity. And so I find that often the problem is less about God and more about my humanity. And actually, was my prayer... Because like, you can pray, but then there's also an element I find in prayer where I need to partner my action with it. Um, whether If it's something very practical, um, like, I don't know, hanging out with a certain person. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know. Like, whatever that looks like to you. There's something that you probably can think of right now. It's come to your mind like, yeah, that's something I've prayed for. But what's the action behind that? What is the, the partnership of what you're praying and the thankfulness, like Julie said? But then also, am I taking steps practically, whether it's a level of someone holding you accountable, um, and, and also taking that introspective view going, okay, am I actually trusting God with this? Have I really given every single piece? And actually, I find it with grieving, um, which is a little bit different, uh, grief will continually come up, but it's the ability to give that grief back over to God um, each and every time, um, because grief is always going to pop up at different moments. Mm-hmm. It's not like the first moment of grief is going to be the heaviest, but then each step along the way, going that, okay, God, I'm giving this, this grief to you, 
um, it actually begins to, I don't know, begin to work that out. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know why I brought up grief, but it was just, yeah. yeah. Tell us more. Okay. Um, <laughs> no. uh, just like circling back, both of you mentioned this, uh, Julie, with the concept of thanksgiving, Dan with the concept of adoration. We see the psalmist in Psalms 100 say that we should enter his gates with thanksgiving mm -hmm. in our hearts and enter his courts with praise. Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually think this is a maybe a lost art form within the prayer cycles and lives of individuals mm -hmm. where we don't take time to enter into that moment of prayer, that moment of conversation with God, uh, with that whole attitude and posture of thanksgiving, of adoration, of praise, um, and acknowledging who he is in the situation. And I think this would be a great time right now to, to share prayer testimonies. I'll start with one, and then you guys can all think of one. Is that good? <laughs> you and I will share one. It's a good one. Um, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So when we decided that we were called here from Australia... Uh, we had a lot of assets we had, to, uh, we had to sell, we had to deal with. We had to raise a lot of personal funds to actually pay for us as a family to come over here um, and put things on a ship and, and, and just pay for general expenses. And uh, when we arrived, uh, I'll just give you this information, then we'll, we'll go back in time a bit. Uh, I didn't work, Emma and I didn't work until September, but we arrived in May. Uh, so there was no income, there was none of that. Uh, and so we had, we knew this would be a, a scenario. And so we, we took our savings, what God had given us, that we wanted to put down on like a house. And we did all this. And in the motions of, be, of, of planning that, so going back in time now, um, a year earlier, um, I remember God saying to me, uh, as I was planning of what we were going to sell, Emma had a really nice uh, car that had been paid off. It was, it, was, it was a beautiful car, leather interior, all that nice stuff. Stuff you don't actually need. It had pop-up booster seats for I the know, kids. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, God said to me, Ben, I want you to give that car away in a prayer time with him. He was like, give that car away. And I'm like, well, God, have you not seen my Excel spreadsheet? <laughs> like, that's a sizable chunk of how we're going to survive. Uh, and I said to him, and this is a classic Pastor Ben response. <laughs> if you can tell Emma... Because he, he, he'd given me the exact family. This is the thing. He said, I want you to give it to this family. What was weird, they didn't need a car. It was, it was none of that. And I was just like, yo, if you, can, if you can tell God, if you can tell Emma this, I'll do it. No, no doubt about it. That's just, you know, under the whole guise of, I just want to make sure I'm hearing from you. I knew I was hearing from him. So I'm like, God, tell Emma. So a few days pass, and I'm just thinking, it's like playing on my mind. Right? When God speaks to you, it almost, it almost haunts you until you come to terms with it. And so I'm thinking about this all the time. And so we're driving and I say to Emma, hey, has God said anything lately to you? Anything at all? <laughs> no. Anything about the car? No, nothing at all. Cool. The next day, hey, has God spoken to you about this family at all? No, nothing. Yeah, all right, good. So I was like, yeah, that's on you, God. Uh, and... Just let it go. Nine months elapse. <laughs> I've totally forgotten about that prayer. I've totally forgotten about that conversation and that commitment to God. And I kid you not, one morning, we both wake up. We're now living with Emma's parents because we're trying to save money, uh, which, you know, if you live with your in-laws, it's a blessing and it can be a, a stretch at the same time. And Emma just rolls over and she looks at me and she's like, God spoke to me last night. And I'm like, I'm not thinking about anything right now. I'm like, Cool. What did he say? And she said, God told us, or told me, 
that we're to give my car, she made it clear it was her car, uh, to this family. And instantly I was like, oh, my Lord. I'm like, I learnt two things in this story and Emma's going to tell the second half of the story because I was like, all right, God, you win. You're cheeky. I get it. I didn't put a time frame on my prayer. (laughs) I'll learn for next time. Nine months, he answers that conversation. Uh, And I'll get Emma to pick up her side of this story because it's phenomenal how God works in these type of prayers and these moments and how he speaks to us. Often we think in prayer moments, it's all us coming to him, right? Uh, But often when we begin to praise, begin to give him adoration, you begin to receive from him first. He begins to just download in you a little bit. And so that's what happened with me. So... um Nine months from that point, this family that like God put on our heart to give the car to, they were not in a need nine months earlier. That, that day that I had woken up and sensed that God was saying, give them this car, they had been travelling up to Sydney and their car broke down. And um, she was an American citizen and didn't have her uh, visa or anything for Australia and she had a big surgery coming up which was all out of pocket. Um, they were in a real moment of need and their car had just broken down and it was just like like horrible for them. Um, and so I've woken up, I've had this uh, moment with God and so I've gone to God in prayer and I said, God, okay, I'm ready to do this. But God says to me, he says, what do you want? And I was like, what do you mean, what do I want? And to give you a little bit of context, I'm not someone that likes asking for things um, you get what you get and you don't get upset and that's how it is. Preach. Which I tell my children that all the time when they're not eating their dinner. Um, <laughs> but I, I was very apprehensive to go to the Father to ask for things. And so he says to me, I want you to ask me for something. And I was like, oh, okay. And in a moment of, of faith and trust in God, I said, God, would you provide us the amount that we would have gotten from selling the car? And it was a decent amount of money. Like it was going to be the amount of money that's helped us survive from May to September, was it? Um, and so I just put it out there. And I was, I was hopeful but very nervous because what if I got rebuffed? And, and what if that didn't work? And what if my conversation with God was it just didn't go anywhere? I was still dedicated to being obedient. Um, the morning that we had prepared to give them the car, we were uh, asked to meet up with this amazing couple um, that we knew uh, just for a quick coffee. And so we've gotten the car ready. It's ready to go. This family's coming at midday to pick up the car. We're meeting with this family, uh, this couple at about 10 a.m. We go to meet with them, having a coffee, just chatting away. And they just say to us, um, God's told us to give you a gift. And to the dollar... They gave us the amount that I asked for. I'm not joking. I burst into tears. Yes, because of the provision, but because God heard me. And, and this very apprehensive, very nervous person about to move her family from one side of the world to the other. And with all the chaos that was going on, God heard me. And, and not only did he, he answered me exactly, like honestly, to the dollar. Um, and I just cried because the, it was an incredible gift of generosity on their part. 
But the de- like the detail that God saw and knew and responded to just made me go, why do I not go to him more? Like, like not in a um, spoilt child way, but in a loved child way. And I think prayer can be this thing, if we allow it, for us to really reinforce to ourselves who we are to the Father. Who are you to God? Are you loved? Are you a son? Are you a daughter? Do you not understand that he wants to lavish love upon you? And it, prayer is this reminder of, yes, being obedient. And when you're being obedient to the Father, you realize that the Father is all and truly good. And it was in that moment that um, just realigned my thinking when it came to prayer. Because I was praying out of, God, if, you're, if you want to. And he's like, God, I know you love me. And, and the position of prayer changed and shifted that day. I so remember that. I was like, why are you crying? You're embarrassing me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> stop crying. Like, but to go back to Emma's previous comment that she journals everything, whilst crying, she brings her prayer journal out, right? I carry it with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the rest of the couple and I are sort of like... Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Emma turns to what she had written days earlier, uh, actually probably weeks earlier, in which because I didn't know she had done this, by the way, so I'm, this is me finding out at the same time, and she reads out her, her conversation with God, and it's unbelievable how faithful mm. and accurate and above and beyond our God is. And so when I look at that stuff, I'm like, when Emma says you should write it down, not just so you would remember... Mm-hmm. But it would, it would stand as a testimony that you're not making this stuff yeah. up. Yeah. You can't, can't, we can't write this stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, I brought you guys time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, there are lots of stories I could tell. One that comes to mind is um, I had just had, we had just had our second child, um, Sophia, and she was a, a little baby. And... Um, uh, our son Marcus broke his leg at, at three years old, and so that you know happens in life. And, but then it was a reoccurring thing. It broke again when the cast came off, and then they put the cast on longer. And then we found that in this process, it was creating a situation where his his leg was just getting weaker and weaker because it was casted so long. And so it was probably about a two-year process wow. to get him back um, where he could be out of that. And I remember we were just there and his elementary school was um, doing a a skating party, an ice skating party. He had never taken skating lessons, so I thought, oh, I better get him. I think he's ready. He can do this now, you know. Got him in his skating lessons. The very first lesson, he tripped on the the front, I guess, part of the skate, spiral fractured his leg. And um, we remember being in the hospital with him at that time, and it was it felt medieval to us that what was happening um, to him to get his leg positioned back and that whole thing. Um, and on the way home from the hospital, because I was in the car by myself, uh, Gordon was taking Marcus separately in a car, and I was making all kinds of noise and just crying out to God, like, why is this happening over and over again to our, our boy? And sorry, I'm going to cry, but he, he spoke to me and he said, uh, be still be still, be still and know that I am God. And it was so clear. It was like the audible voice was right there in the car with me. And I just was filled with that oil of joy for mourning at that moment. It was so overwhelming. And um, 
I'll never forget that moment that I heard God speak so clearly and, and that sense of that oil of joy. It's unexplainable, but it just, it fills you and it's, it strengthens you. And um, he had, I think after that, he might have had a couple of more incidences, but then, after, you know, it, we got through it because he, he was telling me, trust me, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this and you need to, you need to surrender your, your fear and worries to me. Wow. Yeah, that's... Um, I don't know which one to share. Um, the most powerful one would be good. All right, yeah. the most powerful one. <laughs> um, I'm going to share a recent one just only because it's been accented by um, everything going down with COVID and lockdown. Um, so uh, when we moved here, uh, to Vancouver, my wife and I were on uh, visas, so temporary uh, worker visa. And it was coming to the point in the, the year where uh, it was about to expire, but at the same time, we just found out Rach was having a baby. So January hits, all right, Judah's on the way, we didn't have a name for him yet. Um, and then uh, our, our visas were expiring about May. And I remember having conversations with the um, the lawyer and stuff about this sort of stuff and we were dealing some some work things and just trying to work it all out and then I remember Ben woke up one morning and he went to Rach specifically like hey Rach the Holy Spirit's told me you should just look into what happens with your health care when your visa expires and so Rach's like okay whatever so Monday um, Rach's like you need to call the healthcare people because she doesn't like having phone calls which is fair enough um, so I contact uh, MSP and they're like yeah we're not going to cover you during your interim period so between the two visas the end of your first visa and the application for the second I was like oh okay we'll just get travel insurance so I contact travel insurance like no we can't cover you at all your wife's pregnant she's high risk she's got epilepsy um, there's no chance so pretty much what you're telling me we will get no medical coverage from the, the time between the end of our visa and the, the reapplication of our new one. Yep, no coverage. So what does that mean? That means we're going to um, appointments for uh, uh, checkups for baby, for Rach. Rach, is, uh, she has specialist appointments here, $600, $800. Like, just throw all the numbers out. And that's what we were facing. And I remember the, the um, lawyer contacts me, freaking out, total mess. And she says, Dan... Um, I think you really need to consider your options. You've only got three. The first option is you fly back to Australia, you have the baby there, and then you come back to Canada and it's all sorted. We'll just have to organise a reapplication for your visa. I'm like, no, all right, whatever, like, we'll see. And then the other one was we can do like a border run to the US or something and hopefully they'll just let us back in with a new visa and expedite it. Um, or the third option was to wait. And she says, do not stay in Canada. So I get off the phone with her, and I remember standing in the auditorium. I say, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, where have I called you? And I said, Canada. He's like, okay, we're going to wait there. And I was like, uh, okay, all right. So I kid you not, over the next few months, um, we're, we're going out to, um, we're sending these like long, uh, heart-throbbing emails to uh, the lawyers, uh, not the lawyers, sorry, uh, like MSP, Canadian Immigration, and they're banked up like months and months of applications coming in. So they're looking at potentially processing us, not until September, maybe even later. Judah's um, birthday, uh, uh, yeah, birthday, 
birthday, that's what it is, uh, is in September and it was going to extend past that and the lawyer's like, it's going to cost you 40 grand. Oh. Or like, we don't, like, no one has that, like, I mean, some people probably do, but we didn't have that money. Um, there was no way. Um, and we just kind of resigned the fact that God had called us here. That was it. We knew God had asked us to stay here. And over the next few days, I had these incredible conversations where God showed me that actually um, when he says that we're to be faithful in the little, he'll be faithful. We also get opportunity to be faithful in much. He wasn't talking about finances. He was talking about trusting in him. So I needed to have a little bit of faith now because there's going to be things in our future that are going to be even greater um, requirements of faith. Cool. We're staying here. Hail Mary. Let's do it. Again, Bill's pile on, bills pile on, bills pile on, until one day, out of the blue, we get this email from the lawyer saying, hey, there's this new uh, process in which you can apply for a visa. It's never been seen before in Canada. Not at all. You should try it. So I look at the stipulations of it, and it didn't seem like it suited us at all, but the lawyer was adamant that we should do it, and it kind of felt like that moment, and you hear the story about the guy waiting on the roof in the flood, and the helicopter flies by, and says, no, God, send, send something to come and save me. And, you know, plane flies by and all of these things pass by and he ends up, you know, staying on the roof because God actually sent the helicopter and the plane to rescue him. Felt like that moment. So the lawyer's adamant. She's like, I'm going to pay for the application and if it doesn't go through, we just keep waiting. A few weeks later, we get an email. We are now successful um, applicants of this new this new visa um, expediting process that has never been seen before in Canada, to my understanding. Now, you're like, okay, cool, well, that's, that's amazing. I'm like, yeah, actually, it is ridiculously amazing that God had made a way. He said, wait. But all of those finances that were owing, outstanding to us, completely wiped. On top of that, if you think about where we are now in this crisis, if we had gone back to Australia, which is what the lawyer suggested, we wouldn't be here. So God knew at that point when he said, wait, Mm -hmm. that what we were waiting on. And he honestly, like, just totally blown away. There's no, like, totally speechless. Like, God is so faithful if you just trust his voice and his word. He never lets you down. Like, he's so good. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. Um, Last question before we uh, move back into a time of worship. What is one thing that you would want to uh, leave with this congregation, with those online um, and those sitting here today, as an encouragement um, or a call to action regarding prayer? Um, make time for it. Um, life is busy. We all we're all busy to some degree or another, um, and that is. That is one of the biggest tricks to get us um, distracted and, and away from a good uh, habit and discipline of prayer. So um, run towards it. Uh, be intentional. Um, if you have to write it on a big board, pray. Do something just to keep yourself um, in the game <laughs> because it's very easy to, to get off track and just to kind of slide away. Um, and an encouragement is in, when you engage in, in God. He is there, and he shows up, and I've experienced that. And that song that we sang about um, oil of joy for morning, I've experienced that uh, enough times to know that that is absolutely true, that when you are in a place where you're really truly seeking God and you need him to show up, um, he will. 
And that oil of joy, like, it's, it's an amazing experience when you can be in a place where you're, you're, you can be quite distraught. And that, that comes in, and it completely changes that moment. And you're laughing. Like, I've had that where I'm just filled with laughter and joy, and it's overflowing. I'm like, well, how did I get from there to there? It's because the Holy Spirit is there. And when we engage, it's, it's really powerful. Um. Having that discipline is great because you actually hear the voice of God. Don't discredit the voice of God. Trust it. Um, and in the really difficult times, I, I, I remember I went through post-traumatic stress at one stage in my life and, you know, I had to just go, all right, well, everyone in this church is saying that I should praise God. So in the most challenging moments, the most difficult moments, those are the best times, not that other times are not as good, but those are really the best times for our heart and our attitude to actually adore him, to actually get that, enter those gates with thanksgiving and praise. If we wallow and if we're sad, there's mo- like, don't get me wrong, the Bible says there's time for mourning, mm-hmm. but we're not to live in that place. Yeah. Actually, praise and adoration gets us out of those yep. sticky yeah. moments. So I find so praise true. is just the most powerful thing for that. So true. Um, this theme of praise seems to be resting over our church and it's interesting that Pastor Ben spoke to it this morning because we're in sync, we must be in sync because it's been something that God's been saying, hey, we need to praise. And, and through this whole series of prayer um, that we've been doing, um, when we reflect on the Psalms, we see so much praise, but we don't know the practice of praise. It's like, okay, can you thank God for something? I remember today, uh, this week I was helping Levi, my almost 10-year-old, write a Thanksgiving thing where he had to write things that he was thankful for, and it was so hard. And, and how hard it is for us to actually, like the list of needs is exponential and we can rattle them off real easily. But can we rattle off the praise? Um, and um, in closing um, from our part, I'm going to hand back over to Pastor Ben, but as a church, can we enter into this season? Can we actually make a choice to respond to what the Spirit of God is saying for us as a community and enter into a season of praise? And instead of looking at all of the things that we don't like or that aren't happening or whatever, can we just give our gratitude to God? Because this is the God who made the sun, the moon, the stars. Like That is no small thing that the galaxy is held together by his voice. So can we actually start having the practice of praise be brought back into us as a church? I know the times don't seem to demand it, but God's very character and nature requires us to actually celebrate him and so I'm going to hand over to Pastor Ben and I just hope that this has been encouragement for you thank you Julie thank you Pastor Dan for sharing with us this morning why don't you give them a hand as we pass back over church would you stand with me this morning as the worship team prepares to lead us back into a time of worship I love that that intentional, deliberate stance, make space for in your life, praise and prayer and watch what God can do. It is like the lens that we use to see this world. The more we praise, the better our prescription is, the better we see things, the more detail we see. Thanksgiving breeds thanksgiving. Praise breeds praise. So as we go in back into a time of worship and praise right now, Some of the leaders this morning, 
um, really have things on their heart they believe as a church God wants us to pray for. So as we worship, they're going to come up in their time and they're going to lead us around those moments of prayer. Can we right now in this atmosphere, in this attitude that we serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that as we abide in Him and His Word is resonating through us, can we partner with those prayers and petitions and believe, you know what? We say it, we preach it, God is on the move. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avon Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.